some thanks and some praise. God, we glorify you. Thank you for all the great things, all the good things you've done in our lives. Let your blessings be upon this study. Amen, amen, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Welcome tonight. Hopefully, uh, the people online are able to hear this lesson as well. Um, I taught this lesson many years ago. Um, uh, It's been a long, long time. So uh, I I felt like, as I was kind of doing some review, study, and prayer, I felt like we could talk about this again. So I'm going to be talking about on being a Christian. I'm going to touch on a lot of different things, um, but... And, and I know, in fact, I don't know if somebody's going to be kind of monitoring the online, uh, but I'm wondering if maybe people online will be asking questions as well that we could probably use here. Um, but let me kind of open up and just, um, if you're going to have a long comment, please go to the microphones. If it's something that I, short that I can repeat, then that's fine. I'll just do that. Uh, but I, I want to start out by asking you to d- describe God. I want you to tell me what God is like. However, I'm going to put a little something in there that's going to maybe complicate it a little bit. I want you to use as little religious jargon as you can. (laughs) You know, things like God is omnipotent. If you're trying to talk somebody into being a Christian and you use the word omnipotent and they haven't been in church, they're going to totally zone out on you, all right? So do me a favor. Try to describe God to me. Remember, and, and, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more. I'm, in a little bit, I'm going to have you try to convince me to serve God. I'm a heathen. I'm not serving God. I'm not walking with the Lord, uh, and I'm not serving the Lord. So I want you to convince me to be a Christian. We're going to be doing that in a little bit, but for now, how would you describe God using as little religious jargon as you can? Anybody? Love, Love. okay. Amen. What else? Anything? How would you describe God using as little religious jargon as you can? I was hoping some of the teenagers would chime in a little bit. He's lit? Okay. All right, he's lit. (laughs) What else? How else would you describe God? Remember, I'm a heathen. He's a good father. Okay, good. Love, all right. Power. He's trustworthy. All right, now we're starting to flow. What else? How would you describe God? You're trying to convince a non-Christian, huh? a friend. How about a few more? He listens well, okay? Anything else? Always available. All right. He's loyal. All right. Now, and, and these are some good descriptions. Um, and so what I want to ask you today this next portion i'm gonna i i'm a heathen and now let me back this up a little bit okay i just went back to work full time and i'm in sales and so my job is to convince somebody that what i'm selling is what they need okay i'm not out there selling snake oil 
you know. I, I have real solutions to real problems, but sometimes I have to convince somebody that what I am selling is the best option for them because there's a lot of salespeople out there. There's a lot of people that are trying to sell their religion out there. And so how would you sell your religion? I'm not a Christian. I'm a heathen. I don't serve God, haven't been to church in ever. All right? Let's just say I'm 50-something years old. I'm a little older than that. But let's just say I'm 50-something years, years old, and I'm not serving God, and I'm not really interested in serving God, but I will listen to you, or at least I might. Who knows, I might pick up my phone and start texting somebody while you're talking to me. All right, but I am a non-Christian. I'm a heathen. I'm not serving God. I want you to take time, figure out how to tell me that I should serve God. Sell me, all right? I'm a salesman. Again, I was talking to somebody today about something that they needed, and they desperately need it. But there's a problem with most salesmen. You know what they say about salesmen? You can always tell when they're lying because their mouth is moving. And so, so I want you to sell me on being a Christian, all right? If, you, if it's going to be a long thing, I want you to, to use the microphones. So who wants to go first? Somebody? I want you to talk to me. Talk me into being a Christian. Sell me. All right? Anybody? Somebody's got to help me out. I'm putting the microphone down. I'm going to ignore you for the most part because I'm going to text somebody. All right? So somebody's got to sell me. All right? Grab the microphone. Help me out. Anybody? All right. Anybody? Come on. Don't let me stand here alone. I'm, you know, I'm trying to be... I'm trying to be a Christian here. So. Come on. I know Brother Brown wants to, but he's trying to let somebody else have the chance. All right, it's too quiet. Come on. <laughs> Sell me. Tell me what what is what are you trying You're trying to tell me about God. You're trying to convince me that I'm going to be a Christian or I should be a Christian. All right? Or do you think what you have is not good enough? Maybe what I have is better than what you have. I know it's a little hot in here. It's a little uncomfortable. But think about it for a minute. Every one of you is going to have the opportunity to talk to somebody about God at one point or another. And you've got to learn how to talk to somebody about God and offer to them something better than what they have. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I'm a heathen. I don't serve the Lord. I'm not walking with him. I'm really not interested in serving God. But I see something different in you. At least I think I do. You're all thinking, everybody's saying, I don't want to get up and say anything. <laughs> so, come on, help me out. What, how, how can you convince me as a heathen that I ought to serve God? Because really, you know what? My life is good. I got a good job. Everything's going okay. Not too many bumps in the road. Not too many issues. 
I'm not even interested in going to heaven. Why do you feel like you have to have alcohol to have a good time? You're asking me a question? I'm asking you a question. I get high. I get drunk. You know, it's I get to kind of ignore what's going on in my life. If something's bad, I can, you know, I can... I can go to the bar, I can sit down, and I, you know, it's dark in there, and I, there's all kinds of friends that are willing to chat me up and give me a, you know, just, just talk to me when, when, you know. So, yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I drink, I get drunk once in a while. You know, that's just me. I'm a heathen. How, how do you feel the day after? Uh, sometimes I have a hangover. Sometimes I wonder... If I made a fool out of myself and put a lampshade on my head or something like that, but was was it really worth it? Well, I think so. I was having fun. I mean, that headache, that hangover that you have, that horrible feeling that you had the next morning, you you were probably regretting that what you did the night before, right? I did feel pretty sick. So I'll give you that. So what if I could tell you, what if I told you that, that I could help you experience that feeling without the hangover? I would have to ask you, what kind of drug are you peddling? But it's not a drug. It's not a drug? All right. It's a person. It's a person? And I could introduce you to that person, and you're, you, could have a, you could have a relationship with that person. And that person would give you that same feeling that gets and helps you get rid of all those problems and get away from it all without the aftertaste. Well, all right, I'm, I'm interested, but I'm not sure if I'm interested in all that religious stuff because I know a lot of religious people that are not very religious and they talk one thing and they do something else. So, honestly, I mean, you're really going to have to convince me because what I haven't seen out, what I have seen out there is a lot of what people are saying is they're not backing it up with what they're living. It's a fair point, but I'm not talking about religion. Okay. We're talking about a relationship with a real person. And no matter what everybody else does, your experience with that real person can help you have that joy or that peace that you get when you have that high without having to go through all the other stuff that happens afterwards. Yeah, but are you telling me that I got to, like, start dressing a certain way and, and I got to stop hanging around with some of my friends? And, uh, I mean, are you trying to tell me I got to leave all that stuff? Because, I mean, I kind of like what I'm doing. I'm not telling you any of that. I'm just trying to introdu introduce you to my best friend. Yeah. His name is Jesus. I know you've heard a lot about him. Maybe what you heard was true. Maybe it wasn't. But if you give me the chance, we could sit down and talk, and I could tell you more about him, and I could introduce you to him. Hey, what do you have to lose? Well, you know, I hear people talk about Jesus all the time, but it's, it's usually they're using the name Jesus when they're swearing, and, you know, Jesus this and Jesus that. And, and, and so I'm not quite convinced yet. I'm interested but I'm not quite convinced yet. Have you ever seen me do that? No, I haven't.
So I'm different. You said you saw something different in me. Okay. So I'm trying to offer you the real Jesus. All right. Not the one that people talk about when they're cursing and swearing, but the one that that came so that he can help all of us have a better life. Well, let me come back a little bit and say, well, you know, talking about God, if you want to call him Jesus or Buddha or whatever, but talking about God, you know, I'm not convinced. I'm not quite sure there is a God because, by the way, you all bear with me on that, okay? I'm playing a part. <laughs> but I'm not quite sure there is a God. I mean, if there was a God, then why why are people, you know, getting cancer and why are people sick and why are people going breaking into schools and shooting up kids and and you know if there really is a god why is all this crazy stuff going on in our world if you'll give me a chance to just spend some time with you and we can talk about it i can answer all of those questions are are you saying you can prove to me that god is good i absolutely can not only that but my god that i serve will prove to you himself that he's good hmm I'm interested. I'm interested, but I'm still not sold. How about this? How about we just get together and have dinner Thursday night, and we'll just sit down and we'll talk a little bit about it. No obligation to do anything. I'm not even inviting you to my church. Let's just sit down and let's just have a conversation, and we'll do it over dinner. I'll pay. You're paying? I'm paying. I'm in. Awesome. <laughs> we're going we're, to Bertucci's just so you know. Bertucci's. Bert- <laughs> that sounds good. Bertucci's, 6.30 p.m. on Thursday. All right. All right. So do you get what happened there? Um, so I, I, and I appreciate Brother Brown taking that role, but every one of you is going to be put in a, in a situation like that at one point or another because you're not here just to occupy the seat that you're in. And so, um, so you are going to be given the opportunity to talk to them about God. And here, here's the thing: is we when we talk religion to people and start talking to them about rules and regulations and this and that, we we've missed the point. Um, and, and so, the reason you're here tonight and the people that are listening online um, is. Something piqued your interest. For for many of you, uh, a, a tragedy or a difficulty or something came your way, and so you started investigating God a little bit. Some of you grew up in the church. And, and so the the thought that I'm trying to get across here is that that we have got to be ready to give an answer for what we believe. And we need to be careful to make it not too religious. Yeah, hey, let, let me just tell you flat out, there's a lot of religions out there. You know, the Jehovah Witnesses could try to convince me to be a Jehovah Witness, and the Muslims can try to convince me to be a Muslim. And everybody, everybody out there, just about every religion out there, has something positive about their, religious, their, their religion that they can say. The Muslims are convinced that, that they serve God, Right? And the Buddhists are convinced that they serve God. And, and maybe they're not aggressively going out there. Some are, some aren't. But they've got to, if they're trying to convert somebody, if they're trying to win somebody, if they're trying to introduce their God to somebody, 
there's got to be some positive to it, right? I mean, how many of you have ever bought a car? Anybody ever bought a car? Right? Who did you went to a dealership and what did they do? They told you that that car, that Ford or that Chevy or that Hyundai or whatever it is, it it's the best car in the world. It's going to last you like a million miles and it's going to do this and it's going to do that and it's never going to give you a headache. I mean, you, you know, they're 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 trying to present their cause or what they're trying to offer. Well, there's all kinds of people out there in you know, in in religious world and let, let me let me say it like this. I'm going to get into the notes here in just a little bit. But in the religious world, and there are a lot of religions, many of those people, many of us, are convinced that what we have is the best thing. Am, am I right or am I wrong? Like why would they be a Jehovah Witness if they didn't think it was the best thing? Why would they be a Catholic if they didn't think it was the best thing? How many times have I talk, tried to talk to a Catholic and they kind of put their hand up and say, I'm, I'm Catholic, and like there's nothing else. And, and, and so let me, let me jump back here and try to get into the notes a little bit. Uh, and so, so when we talk about God, we need to remove, Shemarie, okay, okay, comment on YouTube. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So Sister Natalia said, and thank you for that comment online, uh, she said to try to engage them, try to ask them questions like, what do they know about God? Uh, I think that's a great comment. Was that all of it or there was more? Okay. So try to engage them, try to ask them what they know about God. Um, and, and you know what? <laughs> when we engage them, when we ask them about God, um, we shouldn't do it to condemn them. You know, if somebody says, well, I think God is three separate persons, or, or I think God is this, or I think God is a tree, or I think God is a rock. I mean, there's people out there that literally believe God is a tree, God is a rock, God is the sun, God is the moon. And, and, and so we've got to engage them where they're at. And so it's simple to ask them a question. What do you think about God? Do you believe in him? Do you not believe in him? What are your thoughts? What's your experience with God? Do you have any experience with God? And what's that experience been like? So try to engage them where they're at. Just like I was saying a little earlier about um, the person that I was talking to today about something that they need. They desperately need what I have uh, for a whole multitude of reasons. And so I've got to convince them that I have the next best thing that's going to help them with their problems. And in talking to this person, one of the first things uh, this person said to me is, why should I buy something expensive when I could buy something cheap? Because I can buy something cheap and throw it out, and if I buy something expensive from you and it does the same thing that everybody else's machine does and it dies just like everything else, I just spent more money than what I'm going to spend on that. So I have to convince her to spend almost 10 times what she spends on a piece of equipment that she throws out every few months for a piece of equipment that's going to last her maybe 10 or 20 years. 
How do you think that's going to work for me? All right, so I, I'm trying to engage you for just a minute so you understand that, that um, we have to meet people where they're at. We have to try to engage with them. And too often we think we're going to um, get people to become religious. And you know what? Our job is not to get them to be religious because there's enough religion out there. Even in Christian circles, even in, in, you know, even in our circles, there's a lot of Christian things that go on that are not very Christian. So let me jump into the notes for a minute. It says, a prominent Hindu recently wrote that Jesus Christ is the highest expression of God which we have ever seen. Muslims are beginning to recognize and openly confess, and I quote this, I, I, I read this, the highest ideal of true religion exists in the gospel of Jesus Christ, unquote. An Orthodox Jewish lady wrote this. I quote here, it says, I see that there is nothing that I can think of in the character of God that I do not find in Jesus Christ, unquote. The Japan Times uh, ran an article that stated, uh, again, I quote, it, it is Christian workers and the Christian civilization which has lifted Japan above the old ideas and backward customs, uh, the Christian ideas of love, of humanity, of justice, of propriety. Therefore, Christianity as a religion, which is making slow changes in the country, uh, Christian ideals uh, may be said to have already conquered the country. Now, look at what Mahatma... What, yeah, you know the name. Gandhi said this. Christianity could conquer India if, number one, you Christians must begin to live like Jesus Christ. Number two, you must practice your religion without adulterating it or toning it down. Number three, you must put your emphasis on love, for love is the center and soul of Christianity. Now, isn't that amazing? So I wonder, and back in the notes here, I wonder, is this world looking for and longing to see real Christ-like Christians? And I believe they are. If it is, then we have a great opportunity. Uh, speaking of re revival, sovereign move of God is ready to happen. We've heard about that. The uh, Christians of this world, would, uh, uh, if the Christians of this world would be like Christ, if we could uh, win, uh, then we could win the world for God or for him. There are millions of eager, eager people seeking truth, and that is an opportunity to let Jesus shine through us. And so what I'm trying to get at here is I, I, I want to engage you. I want you to begin to think that we have all seen Christians, non-Christians, people of all different kinds of religious faiths who say one thing and do something else. All right? And that's hard, you know, uh, I th I think in my my own life and you know where I'm at at times with with God that that I struggle I battle that I struggle I battle with things and 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 I fight things and I'm I'm admitting that right here that that you know my uh, let me say it like this I have issues in fact I'm going a little further to say my issues have issues all right and so so in talking about God 
if we're going to offer something for, uh, to someone, it's got to be something that's real. It's got to be something that changes their life. And so sometimes we just have to, first of all, live it, not just sometimes, we always have to live it, but, but we also have to impact, impact our world. And Matthew 5.14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Uh, we see this in Scripture. He says, abide in me and I in, in you as the branch cannot bear the fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you accept um, sorry, my paper is sticking together. Except you abide in me. Abide in me. I am the vine; you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So we 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 here we have the idea of that we abide in the tree or the vine, and, and so as long as you are connected to the tree, you can live. Or as long as you're connected to the vine, you can live. But the moment you pull yourself away from that. Um, I am the opposite of a green thumb. I can kill just about any plant that comes into my house without even hardly trying. Either I overwater it or I underwater it. And so I am absolutely horrible at anything that relates to something living like a green plant or flowers or this or that. Uh, Often what happens is I tend to just ignore it and so then Whatever happens, I realize, hey, it's run out of water like weeks ago. And so I, I'm not good at that, and I know it. But when we talk about religion, when we talk about serving God, uh, in, in the particular verse that we were just talking about in John 15, it, is that it talks about abiding in the branch, as long as it is connected. Now, years ago when I... I don't know, maybe I was in like third or fourth grade. And in science class, I remember the teacher talking about grafting. How many, do you know what grafting is? Somebody tell me really quick, what is grafting? Come on, some of you just raised your hand. What is grafting? Okay. Uh, uh, so Sister Tryon said you could take a branch off a tree and you can, there's a process that you can take that branch and connect it to another tree. So that's grafting. I, I remember the science teacher telling how that you can, you can take a, you know, cut a, cut a branch off and you can cut like a notch in it and then you can take a branch from another tree and cut that notch and put it together and then you can tape it and, and, and uh, if you do it right and everything works and that branch will still grow. Now, here's the interesting thing. The, the science teacher really caught my, I mean, absolutely piqued my attention with that. And, and so I tried it. In my backyard, we had a small sapling that was growing up, and it was, I think, maybe like an oak tree. We had another tree in our yard that was like a red maple. And so this tree had green leaves. I went and I cut a piece off of that other tree that had red leaves. And I cut that branch, and I cut the, the piece I was grafting in. I put it together, and I wrapped it up with some, I don't know, might have been electrical tape. I don't know what it was, but I, but I wrapped it up. And I forgot about it until that next spring when, you know, to my surprise, when that tree started growing, half of it was green and half of it was red. It was pretty cool. And I guarantee you when my mom sold the house and we moved away, somebody's looking at that tree and saying, how come it's half green and half red? 
But it went through a process of what? Grafting or ingrafting. And so what I took was something from one place and put it there. And because there was a flow going into it, because the sap and the nutrients were going into it, it was going to live. And it did live. And as far as I know, it could be that way even today if nobody's ever cut it down. But that grafting, so when we come into a relationship with God, what's happening is we're taking that old uh, us and we're grafting it in to a, hopefully a new us. And, and so here it talks about abiding in the branches and all of that. So, um, so the idea is that, um, you know, he talks about abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And then he goes on from there. Now, looking at Ephesians 3, it says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted, notice that, rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ, Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So it talks about what? The, the width, the breadth, the depth. And we all know, you're, you're here tonight, those of you that are online, there's a lot to God. There's a lot to knowing about God. Now, let's look at Luke chapter 18, verse 8. It says, I tell you that you will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. When God comes back, what is he, what is he looking for? When he comes back, what is he looking for? He's looking for, somebody tell me. That says faith, faithfulness. He, he's looking for somebody that is what they say they are. I asked you a little question a while ago, you know, how many of you have ever bought a car? If you brought a car to a mechanic, what do you expect? If you had a problem with your car and you brought your car to a mechanic, what do you expect is going to happen to the car? It's going to get fixed. Now, if you go to pick up your car, and it's worse than when you drove it in there, you're probably going to have a problem, right? I was driving down 84 the other day coming towards Hartford, and as I'm driving down the, down the highway on 84, there's an area there that had just oil spread all over the place, and I see a transmission sitting on the side of the road. A piece, it was either the whole transmission or a, part, a big part of it. Literally sitting like up against the Jersey barrier, and I'm thinking... Somebody had a bad day, and, and, and I, I was amazed by it. In fact, I think it was just, yeah, it was just yesterday that it happened. And, and, and here, here there's this transmission. I'm thinking, like, what happened if that guy just brought that thing to the mechanic and the mechanic forgot to put the bolts in it? And here it is sitting on the side. But see, what I'm trying to say is this, is there's proof in the pudding, and so if you bring your car to a mechanic and it gets fixed, you're probably going to bring it back. But if you bring it to the mechanic and it doesn't get fixed, you're probably going to find another mechanic. You're going to want your money back. Well, what about our religion? What about our faith? What about our belief in God? Do we really have proof in the pudding? Do we really, can we back up what we say God is? I want you to think about it for a minute. I'm, I'm really serious right now. Can you back up what you say about God? God is a healer. Can you back it up? God is love. Can you back it up? 
God changes your life. Can you back it up? Wow, it got quiet, quiet in here. <laughs> Brother Brown says, if I can't, he can. And that is true. But I, I'm, I'm trying to prod you a little bit. I'm trying to get you to really think that, that we can say one thing. Listen, hey, you, you, you all have a Bible at home, right? You know, I probably got 20 out of 30. I don't know how many Bibles. I've, I've got a collection of Bibles. But it's one thing to have one. It's one thing to know what it says. But it's entirely different to back it up with your life. Right? If somebody was going to call us a Christian, are we guilty as charged? Or are we just blowing hot air? And, and so, again, and my job tonight is to really prod you a little bit. So what makes us different from the Muslims? What makes us different from the Hindus? What makes us different from the Baptists? What make us, makes us different from people that practice witchcraft? What makes us different? It's a religion. How many of you are part of a religion? Raise your hand. You're part of a religion. Christianity is a religion, right? It is a religion. So if my religion, so I'm, I'm still a heathen, okay? All right, I'm a heathen. I'm not serving God. And so I have as much religion as some Christians that I know. What makes my religion any better or worse than your religion? It's a religion. We need to think about things like this. Because there's a lot of people out there that are selling their religion, and we're trying to sell ours. You're all looking at me like I got three heads or something like that. And, and so I'm just trying to really stir you up. So what makes us different than the Muslims, than the Hindus, than the Mormons, than the Jehovah Witnesses? What makes us different? If Christian, uh, let, me, uh, let me say it like that. If, if Christians would be Christian, we could win the world. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were, what? Unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled that they had took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I want to, I'm going to stand on this one for a little. We're going, to, we're going to talk about this. So when the early church was in the throes of revival and people were receiving the Holy Ghost and being baptized in Jesus' name and the great things were happening, people were coming into the church by the thousands. And in the throes of that, in the midst of all of that, they noticed, who did they notice? It says that when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, right? Peter and John were out there uh, preaching the word of God. It says when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They didn't go to ABI. They didn't go to Texas Bible College. They didn't go to some seminary. But there was something powerful about them. There was something real about them. 
It said they looked at them, they listened to them, they were impacted by their ministry, and in the midst of it, they said, these guys are kind of unlearned and ignorant. So they, Brother Brown, but they've been with Jesus. So, so maybe they didn't have it all right. Maybe, maybe they didn't have the religious jargon. God is omnipotent, and he's omnipresent, and he is everywhere, and he's this and that. Maybe they didn't have all of that, but all they had was what? Somebody fill in the blank. They had Jesus, or I'm going to say it like this, they had an experience. They had a real experience. People looked at them and said they're, they're, they're illiterate, they're ignorant, but there's something different about them. Brother Brown? Brother Brown's going to go to the microphone. So you, you're kind of getting the, the gist, the idea of what I'm talking about um, is, and I'm going to read it again, and then Brother Brown's going to comment. It says, when they had saw the, the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, then, then it goes on, okay? They were not impressive because of their education or even because of their knowledge of God. Are you getting this? That's not what, they, what was impressive about them. It says that they marveled, then they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Brother Brown, go ahead. The reason they were there is because they had gone out with what they did have, mm -hmm. and they allowed the Holy Ghost that was in them to work. And so they were on trial because the lame man at the gate beautiful was healed when Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have. I may not have much, but what I do have, I'm giving it unto you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And in that moment, at the word of faith from a Holy Ghost-filled believer, who, by the way, was a new convert, they just got the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And he walked right up to that guy. I said, be healed in Jesus' name, and because the kingdom manifested through him, now they're on trial, and even while they're on trial, they're bold, and they're speaking very strongly because they, they might not know much, mm -hmm. but they know what they do have. And the problem and the fear and the intimidation that we give into is because we don't believe we have enough. But if we would learn to have faith in what we do have, then we can have the same types of things. And this is what Bishop is getting at, is that we may not have it all together and we may not have all the knowledge in the world, but I do have the Holy Ghost and I do have a relationship with Jesus. And if I'll spend time with him, that relationship will cause a flow of his power out of my life and that will make a difference. Good point. Let me interject something here. Most people who win somebody to God are much younger in the Lord than people that have been around for a while. It's kind of tragic. should be better than that. But somebody, somebody, you know, been in the church for 10, 20 years, and, you know, we talk about being in the way. Maybe we ought to get out of the way because we're in the way. And, and the thing is, we get to a point... Now, some people argue, they say, well, the longer you're in the church, the, you have less friends from the world that you're around, and so it's less likely that you're going to influence them. 
I think there might be some credence to that. There might be some uh, truth to that. But the fact is that most people who win somebody to God are probably have been in the church for the most part less than two years. Some even less than six months. What happens is we get so much religion that we don't know how to relate to people. And that's an indictment, by the way, against the church. It is an absolute indictment against the church is we get so much religion that now we, we can't relate to people the, the way we really ought to relate to them. You know, I, I, in many ways, I don't know how to relate to people the way that I did when I first got into the church. And I, I understand that. I realize that. And I've got to work on changing that. And so what I'm trying to talk to you is, uh, about is this, is if we are going to have religion, if we're going to have, if we're going to claim to serve God, then we ought to have something that backs it up. And I'm going to get into that a little more. Brother Brown, did you have another comment? Right. Right. What Brother Brown said for those people that are online is, is that even though we may have been in the church for a long time and maybe our circle of friends is more Christians than non-Christians, is we have a responsibility to go out and find non-Christian friends. It's our responsibility. You know, we we should learn how to relate to people in the workplace. We should learn how to be that light in a dark world and, and, and not just dismiss people because they're heathens or they're this or that, but to live that life before them. And so um, going back to the notes, it says, as Moses came down from the mountain, his face shined with the presence of God. Going back to Peter and John, what was different? They looked at them as though they're ignorant, unlearned. But they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. There was something that was emanating from them that wasn't the knowledge of Scripture, that wasn't the knowledge of the Word of God, that probably could not, had no idea what hermeneutics is or, 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 or all different kinds of religious type things. I mean, they probably couldn't, couldn't uh, quote a whole lot of Scriptures. Maybe they could, maybe they couldn't. But, but this was a new experience. It was a fresh experience for them. And they had come out of a religion, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, being, being, you know, in in the Jewish faith, obviously, uh, that uh, that Jewish faith basically kind of, if I can say this without getting too simplified with it, is is morphed into Christianity. I mean, the the oneness in the Old Testament is still the same oneness we preach today, uh, and, and a lot of the principles in the Old Testament are still carried over into the New Testament. A lot of the ideals that was put were put forth then are still put forth now, uh, and, and so uh, so we have to understand that that they were kind of remaking their religion. Instead of, you know, Jehovah as they known, knew him, now it's Jesus who, by the way, is what? Jehovah has become my salvation. It was mentioned earlier. 
And so um, the oneness of God is still the oneness of God, and, and Christian or, or godly principles are still godly principles. So I'm not going to kind of beat on that. But um, So as Moses came down from the mountain, his face shined, um, showing forth the presence of God. If Christian people would live for God in closeness of relationship so that his presence would shine through us, we could change our world. So I ask a question here, what is, what is God like? I really uh, don't, I'm way behind on my lesson, so I don't have time to get into that. Um, but what is there that diminishes or dims or blurs the, in, the image of God in me? Those are things we need to ask ourselves. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory and the, mis- the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know what? I cannot and should not try to cram this down people's throats. I hope I know a lot about it. I want to know a lot about the Word of God. But if my approach is to cram the Bible down somebody's throat, I'm probably not going to reach them. What I'm going to reach them with is showing them that I can love them even though they don't look like me and act like me and live like me. That's what I can win them with. I can win them and be their friend when they're sad and pray with them when they're, when they're going through problems. Uh, so, so what I'm talking about today is more about the, where the rubber meets the road type relationship with God. And so if we would uh, live in that closeness of relationship with God, we'd be much better off. So let me move on. Colossians chapter 127, it says, To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory and the mystery of uh, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me, who gave himself for me. I do not frustrate, notice 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for, uh, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If righteousness come, comes by a list of rules and regulations, isn't that what he's saying there? Yeah, you've heard me probably if you've been in the church any time at, at all. I've had people that have come to me uh, and, you know, brand new people come into church. They get filled with the Holy Ghost and they get baptized. I've literally had people come to me and say, can you give me a list of rules? You know, please give me a list of rules. I want to know what the do's and don'ts are. And I, I absolutely refuse to answer that question. I won't answer it. Because if all I do is give you a list of rules and regulations, that's what you're going to follow. Or at least hopefully so. But what if God has different rules for you? I mean, some of the basic principles of the Word of God are, you know, we can't argue those. I mean, it is what it is. But there's other things about serving God that, that really we have to figure it out for ourselves. And the other thing is we tend to be lazy. Give me a list of rules. Give me a list of regulations. I'll remember the rules and regulations, but I won't even bother cracking the cover of the book because now I know what's good and bad. I know what's acceptable, what's unacceptable, and so I don't even have to look at this. I'm going to live the rules. 
But what if living the rules is not enough? In fact, what if living the rules is the opposite of what we should do? I told you I was going to challenge you. All right? I mean, if all we're doing is serving rules, then what are we serving? We're not serving God. We're serving the rules. Is God able to talk to you? I hope so. Is God real? I hope so. Now, I, I know the answer. God is real, and, and I know the Word is real and all of that. But where you, where you get your foundation is by having a relationship with God, not a relationship with religion. I'm going to come out and say this. I'm really sick and tired of religion. <laughs> I got a smile or two out there. There's a whole lot of religion out there. And I, even in the church, as Brother Brown just said, even in the church, and I have seen it do little or no good. All right, I'm going to say some things. All right. You know, we're really good at proclaiming our religion, but there's somebody in the church that we can't even shake their hand, or there's somebody in the church that we can't even be civil to, and we can shout across the aisle at them because of something going on in our family or our lives or whatever, or we can, we can totally dismiss somebody because, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm supposed to be this, and I'm supposed to be that, but you know what? They did something to me 10 years ago, so I'm never going to forgive it. And, and, and you're trying to get, understand, are you getting what I'm talking about? It is that our religion needs to be more than black and white. Yes, we absolutely need to be obedient to the Word of God. We need to listen to and obey the Word of God. But it's more than just the Pharisees. Think about it for just a minute. The Pharisees, let me back up. I, I'm going I'm to talk about Judas for just a minute. I'll talk about the Pharisees in a minute. You all know about Judas, right? What did he do? Somebody help me. He betrayed Jesus, right? Let me present something to you. Judas had passed the test. To everybody around him, Judas was trustworthy. He was godly. He had a relationship with God. He was so trusted that they handed Judas the offering money and the checkbook and the computer with all the church accounts in it. Judas is, I mean, he's going to be the treasurer. He passed the, are you listening to me? He passed the scrutiny of his brethren. He passed the scrutiny of all those that were around him. But there was something seething within him. There was something boiling within him. He looked apart. Are you all listening? <laughs> I mean, he was, he was a consummate Christian. Filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, walking with God, at the same time a thief. But he passed the test of you and I. 
He passed our test. He passed our critiquing him. I'm going to get somebody ticked off tonight. (laughs) He passed all of our tests, but then he betrayed Jesus. And now let's talk for a minute, and I know I'm way, way off my notes, so it's in there. Some of it's in there, but what about the Pharisees? All right? Did they have a relationship with God? Come on, somebody help me out. All right, we only got another five minutes, six minutes. Did they? Sister Ryan says they had a shallow relationship with God, but did they know their religion? Did they know the Word of God? They did, didn't they? They knew the Word of God. They had a relationship with God based on whatever, wherever they were with God. I mean, as far as the world, in other words, as far as other religious and, the, and you know, religious people in the world looked at them, it's like, whoa, they're Pharisees. They're like, wow. I mean, talk about serving God. They're up here somewhere. I mean, they're like untouchable. I mean, look at the way they pray. They stand in the corners of the street and they pray and they put dust and dirt all over their bodies and they, they pray these big, long prayers. I can never pray like that. And so they're doing all those religious things. But what, what's Jesus' opinion of them? <laughs> Jesus said you're like painted caskets. Your cask like caskets full full of dead man's bones, he said th- things like you make these long prayers and these pretense and you put this dust and dirt and you you are he literally said if you look at those verses you will look and say Jesus said to them you you have your reward, you wanted the praises of men. you wanted the honor of men, you wanted somebody to look at you and say, wow. Look at how godly they are. But Jesus says, you don't even get it. You're not even getting close. Heathens are going to make it to heaven before you do. I'm stirring the pot tonight. <laughs> and, and so I, I'm trying to get us to really think about where we are have we become so religious that we're untouchable? Have we become so religious that we have no real idea of what serving God is like? And so, you know, uh, uh, if we were on trial for being a Christian, you've heard it, would there be enough evidence to convict us? As Christians, we ought to be vines abiding in the branch, lights in darkness, salt, sweet-smelling, savor. These are the type of things that we should be, and I'm going to try to wrap it up in a little bit. But in Colossians 3, it says, For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ and God. So what is a hidden life? When it talks about a hidden life, which, you know, one of the first things that come to mind for me is a Christ-like life or a, uh, a life of holiness. If I were to ask the, uh, this question, what is a Christian? Let's kind of, we'll, I think we'll probably close out with this thought. What is a Christian? Somebody help me out. Christ-like. Okay, good. What is it? Someone who follows Christ. Okay. So what is Christian? And those are good answers. 
someone that's trying to live like he lived and is doing what he did? Okay. Yeah. And these are great answers. There's nothing wrong with those answers. But we kind of just gave some religious answers. <laughs> I'm not faulting those answers. Those are great answers. But what if Christian being a Christian is more, actually, I, I shouldn't use the word more, it goes a little deeper than being Christ-like. And I could get myself in trouble there, so I've got to be a little careful. Um, what I'm trying to say is this. Um, we can know a lot about Christ. We can have the right suit on, the right tie on, the right dress on. We can have all the right stuff as far as everybody else is concerned. But are we doing Christ-type stuff? Yes. Sister Marie, you want to answer that? Okay. It's to have the love of Christ wherever we go. Okay. It's to take the love of Christ wherever we go. Where people don't see us, but they see our Heavenly Father in us. That they see humility. To be a Christian is me. I am a Christian, but wherever I go, they don't see me. I want them to see my Heavenly Father, uh, His reflection, my Heavenly Father's reflection right. in me, and that people see. And they would say, and it's not that I'm exalting myself, but when they see me, my father if I need to speak put your words in my mouth put your words in me because I don't want to speak yeah. s if not it's my father speaking through me sure. using my my voice my mouth to be an instrument in his hands I'm just speaking about uh, re religious things I'm not religious, yeah. but I am serving one God. And a religion has various gods. I have one God, yeah. and it's the God of love. You know, that, that was, and, and thankfully, that was an excellent answer. <laughs> and, and Brother Brown's applauding the answer, and I am as well. Um, it, it, so we can, we can get so wrapped up in the religious aspects of what we do that we really forget about being good people. Just being good people, being kind to people, loving people. And I think that's what happened with the Pharisees is they got away from, they got so religious that everything became rules and regulations and the do's and the don'ts. And that's a terrible way to serve God. If you serve God because of do's and don'ts, if you serve God because you don't want to go to hell, you're serving the God for the wrong reasons. You're absolutely serving God for the wrong reasons. And that's what happened with the Pharisees is they got serving God with all the wrong reasons. And Jesus looked at them and said, these people are impressed by you, but I'm not. We're not in this to impress people. We're in this to do. Do right by people and to let the light shine and to let God shine through us, not just to, to you know, I mean, 
we can become religious snobs just like a lot of other people. We can become religious hypocrites just like a lot of other people. And, and, and again, I'm not even halfway through. I'm probably just less than halfway through. But, you know, the lesson, there's so much more. And, and so what I'm, what I'm trying to get, again, um, I'll skip down. I'm going to finish with this. I got, ooh, I'm like one minute over, so let me finish. So are, are we conforming to the image of Christ or the image of the world? What our social acquaintances hesitate to call as Christians? Would they say, say he or she is a decent person who is not sure where they stand? What makes a Christian a Christian? Think about it. Uh, is it belief? Is it practice? Is it obedience to a set of rules? Is it belief then what we do and what we do, uh, what would we do with the following verses? And I don't have time to get into that. So what I'm, what I'm trying to say again is that we have, I don't want to talk somebody into a religion. If, if I can get you to have a relationship with God, that's the best thing I can do. If I can talk you into having a relationship with God and learning him for yourself, obviously, with guidance and, and you know, things from the, the body of Christ and from the pastoral leadership and, and, and from mentoring and things like that, all of that is good. Um, but that's why, and I'm going to finish with this thought, why I told you that when people come to me and say, give me a list of rules, I refuse to do it. I'm not going to entertain that. Because the moment I entertain that, then they start serving the rules and not the God of the rules. And so what we have to do as Christians is convince people that they have to have a relationship with God because he's going to change our life. And so I started out with the whole idea of, you know, I'm a heathen. <laughs> and I am. I'm a heathen. Convince me to be a Christian. Show it to me. Tell me. You know. And so what I want you to do, what I'm challenging you as, as I close this lesson, is when I want you to take the lesson home. There's a lot more in there. Um, but I, I want you to think between now and next week or whenever we get together, Sunday, whatever, um, try to think about how, your walk with God lines up in such a way that you can show somebody by your life that it's good to serve God. I just want you to kind of think about that. Chew on it for a few days. Is, is the next person that's going to come and you're going to try to talk to and, and talk them into serving God, what are you going to tell them? Is it something you're going to tell them, or is it something you're going to show them? I think showing them is a lot better than telling them. All right, let's all stand. I'm really, I apologize. I got way, way, way off the notes, and but, but I think hopefully God did what he wanted to do. Uh, remember, no Spanish service tomorrow night. Uh, there's, then there's... Uh, the Spanish District Spanish Conference is Friday night. Then Saturday during the day, there's things going on, and then Saturday night. So Friday night is at seven or seven thirty. Seven o'clock, okay. And then Saturday night is at six o'clock. All right. And then of course, those of you that are part of the Spanish group, you know those things that are going on during the day. All right. Let's let's thank God for what He's done. Lord Jesus, we're grateful for Your presence that has been here. We're grateful that. Uh, your word of the word of God has gone forth. We're thanking for it. We're thanking you for 
our fellow brothers and sisters that are here. And Lord, I just thank you for everything you've talked to us about today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.